Growing up, there was always one house in every neighborhood that was the haunted house. Whether it was the ghost of an angry old man or the lair of a serial killer no one spoke of anymore. This is the tale of one such house. Hello, I'm your host, Douglas Lawrence, and this is Dark Humanity. The first line in the book titled, Ed and Lorraine Warren, The Haunted. This book will disturb many. There are two ways a house can become infested with demons. The first, a violent act can invite them in and allow them to lay dormant. Second, they can also be invited in by the practice of witchcraft and other dark arts. According to the warrants, the house had been haunted for multiple decades before the Smurls moved in. The warrants even claimed that the police had responded to that address several times over the years, but they did not keep records of such things. They claimed the town was located over a flooded coal mine, which had filled with water in the 30s before it collapsed, taking many houses anywhere from 6 to 64 inches into the ground men and children as young as five years old toiled and died in the mine. Researchers in the past had a theory that the suffering the mines had enticed the demon to that area. Before the Smurls moved to the sleepy neighborhood, it was also said that a coven of witches had practiced there, infecting the whole area. People who grew up in the neighborhood claimed the house had a strange grip over the tight-knit community. It gave them the creeps, and kids dared each other to peek through the windows. Let's take a moment to get to know the Smurl family. Jack Smurl was born the son of a welder. It was said he was born with a high IQ. He was also an easygoing child who was good at sports. He went to a Catholic school in Wilkesboro. After school, he joined the Navy. In the Navy, he was a medical technician assisting with electroshock therapy. He worked with the mentally ill and saw firsthand how confused the human mind could be. After his short career in the Navy, Jack took a job at a local company that produced confections. Janet Damoski grew up in a nearby town. She was a normal girl, liking all the normal things, she said but she stayed away from the free love and drug movement that went on during her high school years. She too was a devout Catholic who was raised by her working mother after her parents divorced. She had always wanted to be a mother and wife. She graduated from Northwest High School and found a job on the production line packaging confections. At the company Christmas party in 1967, the two met for the first time. They courted for nearly a year before they married on December 28, 1968. The couple lived with his parents, Jake and Mary, and later had two children. In 1972, Hurricane Irene destroyed their house, leaving flood water as high as the second floor. A full 12 feet of water flooded the neighborhood. 
The family repaired their home, but the town of Wilkesboro used the power of eminent domain, forcing them to find a new home. In the fall of 1973, Jack's parents bought a two-family home for $18,000 on Chase Street in West Pittston. Jack and Janet bought the side number 328 for $4,000. On October 1, 1973, they moved their small family in. The two were very active in the community and very much in love, so the next 18 months passed quickly. But strange things started to happen in January of 1974. Mary bought a new carpet. Shortly after the carpet was professionally installed, she found a large grease stain. That night, her son and his wife scrubbed the carpet, removing the stain completely. Two days later, on their way to breakfast, there was a stain. They would scrub it clean, but a few days later, it would reappear. Finally, they hauled their new rug off to the dump, bought a new carpet, and forgot all about it. The house was solid, but it needed repair. Being father and son, they planned to tackle the renovation together. They worked side by side as they tackled the tangle of plumbing problems they had found. Luckily, as a welder, John felt confident he could manage soldering some 30-odd repairs into the copper plumbing. Unfortunately, when they turned the main valve back on, water rained from the repairs. John was baffled. He knew how to solder. He tried again and again, yet the leaking continued. It seemed even the smallest, most straightforward repair would wind up becoming a massive project. Even though every little job was a total nightmare, Jack and Janet decided they would remodel their bathroom. They completely updated the room with a new sink and tub. To Janet's horror, the next morning, the sink and tub looked like a wild animal had been trapped inside and heavy scratches covering the new fixtures. That would not be the end of the maddening events. It was just the beginning of what was to come. In the living room of the Smurl home, there always hung a portrait of John Wayne. So it was no surprise when one night after work in 1974, Jack relaxed watching a western. The television, which was not that old, burst into flames. The set was badly melted before Jack could extinguish the fire. Later, a brand new gas stove would also burst into flames. And then the wiring of his brand new car that he had brought home from the dealership the day before caught fire in the driveway. The string of strange fires and costly repairs stressed the young family's finances. Jack and Janet could not hide their stress. 1975 did not bring any relief. Don, one of the Smurl children, complained several times that there were people floating around in her bedroom at night. By this time, they knew the house was haunted. They looked at the small, strange occurrences with a sense of humor. Things like the stomping of feet or toilets flushing on their own were just quirks of a haunted house saying hello. They did find the radio's habit of turning on at full volume annoying, but no one got hurt was a mindset at the time. Time marched on and four years passed. The Smurl family grew by two. A set of twins were born in 1977. Their names were Shannon and Karen. The strange occurrences seemed to peak and wane, and the family grew used to sharing their home with the unseen. But then one night, Jack and Janet were in bed asleep. 
Jack felt a gentle hand caress his shoulder. Surprised, Jack rolled over, expecting to find his wife smiling at him. He found Janet fast asleep. The year 1983, things just grew darker. The strange things that happened once in a while seemed to be happening more frequently. Jack said that one night he could not get the stress of the day out of his mind, so he knelt by his bed to pray. That was the first time he smelled a strange stench, like a dead animal rotting in another room. The smell plagued the family from that day forward. The kids joked that it was their father's stinky feet. The smell and the strange events grew so frequent they could no longer be ignored. Janet then started to reach out for help. She called the mining company to ask if the stench was something that can happen when you live over a coal mine, but they said cracked foundations were their only real complaint. One weekday morning in the dead of winter, Janet, a pretty woman of 37, was doing what any mother knows all too well, laundry. The house was empty and the basement was quiet that cold morning. The stillness was broken by the word Janet. Janet was startled. She looked about, but she did not see anyone. After all, she was alone in the house. She returned to her laundry. Again, she heard her name, Janet, a female voice said. This time it was clear and unmistakable. Then she looked about scanning the boxes of Christmas decorations and trash that should have been hauled to the dump years ago. There was nothing. She was alone. Again, Janet, this time over her shoulder. She spun on her heel, but there was nothing there. The voice was soft and feminine, but it carried an eerie tone and became more and more malevolent. The fourth time, Janet, and then a single giggle. The voice was mocking her. She had had enough and raced towards the stairs. Again and again, she heard her name. Janet turned. What do you want? She screamed back at the voice. She heard nothing but the thud of the washing machine. She stares and stepped up. Janet, the soft voice said again. Janet ran up the stairs. She was sure any moment someone was going to grab her ankle and pull her back, back into the basement. Her body tingled with fear as she slammed the basement door behind her. heard the young couple arguing aggressively. They heard the two trading insults and profanities at the top of their lungs. The older couple refused to believe that the two had not had any sort of argument that day. The Smurls knew they needed help. They did not want help from the paranormal community. They were quoted as saying they were all charlatans. They were Catholic after all. They were given several names of experts, but they all seemed to dramatize the situation and charge far too much for their services. We're changing. Day after day, peaceful moments became the exception. We're getting scared. That their home somehow seemed foreign and dangerous. Janice saw the kids off to school, and at their oldest daughter's suggestion, she'd go out window shopping to get her mind off all the strange things that kept happening. After returning home, Janet started her never-ending housework. She was ironing one of Jack's shirts when the room became cold like a window had left open. She could feel its eyes on her before she looked and saw the black form there before her. 
The creature did not have any features and did not seem to be made of any true substance. It was more like black rolling smoke than a solid mass. It was as tall as a refrigerator that measured five foot nine inches. It was wearing a cape that fluttered as it seemed to glide towards her in the kitchen. She could smell the awful odor as the creature passed her headed into the living room. Janet was frozen. She could do nothing but watch as the creature slid past. She later said she did not know if it was fear or shock that made her blood run cold, paralyzing her. The smell of Jack's shirt burning snapped her back into control. She propped up the iron and after a long moment of hesitation, she walked into the living room only to find that once again she was alone. Janet walked over to her in-law's side of the house. Mary, her husband's mother, had become quite ill in the last few weeks, and taking care of her had made the two women very close. Janet walked in to their side of the house. Her lip trembled as she thought of how she was going to explain what had just happened. That's when the older woman looked up. Her face was white, and she was scared, sitting in her favorite chair. Something black just walked from the stairs across the room and just vanished, the old woman said. The women talked, both realizing there was much more to this strange world than they had realized. After that strange encounter, things actually seemed to get better. The house was quiet. Sure, here and there there might be a bump or a slamming door, but it was growing fewer and farther between. But it was not to last. The house was especially busy as the family prepared for one of the girls' confirmations. A celebration where a Catholic leaves adolescence behind. When the house again turned on them and a huge four-foot light came crashing down on three of the kids. Two managed to avoid being struck but one of the girls was hit hard on the shoulder. The Warrens told them later that religious rites like the confirmation angered the demon. This was the point that Janet Smurl started reaching out to colleges that had paranormal research departments but she found no help. One even asked if she watched a lot of horror movies, insinuating that it was just her imagination. In late April, spring was in the air. The Smurl family had been waiting to load up their camper and just get away from the house and all the strange activity. Anyone from a small town can tell you that on quiet streets in small towns, neighbors watch out for one another, or they're just nosy. Either way, not much happens without someone seeing it. That morning, the Smurls loaded up their camper and, with a roar of the big motor, pulled the whole family out into the street. The whole neighborhood knew they were gone. So that evening, when two of their neighbors, a husband and wife, walked past the dark duplex, they knew no one was home. The man later said that he heard a strange fluttering like a giant bird launching itself from a second-floor window. Then, a blood-curdling scream cut through the cold night air. The man said, without even looking back, his wife just bolted, not stopping until she reached his He said he had never heard someone about to be murdered by a crazed, axe-wielding psychopath, but he guessed that it would probably have sounded like that. Things were not getting any better as the weeks passed. Life in the duplex was frightening, to say the least and only seemed to be getting worse. Janet and the girls had left for the day to go get some new clothes for the girls who seemed to outgrow them before Janet could even wash them. 
which was fine by her. She had not been a fan of the basement since the day the ghost spoke to her. Jack, happy to have the house to himself, which was rare, very rare, with a wife and four kids. Jack thought it would be a fine day for a nap. He climbed the stairs towards his room, an old soft-covered copy of John Wayne's biography tucked under his arm. He stretched out on the big bed and began to read, but only turned a few pages before he dozed off, the book folded on his chest. Even in his light slumber, Jack knew there was something wrong. He became aware he could hear the cars passing the house, the smell of flowers and mud in the warm spring air, but he could not feel the weight of his body on the mattress. He rolled his head from side to side, and he could not feel his pillow. Jack opened his eyes and realized he was no longer laying on his bed. He was floating a full two feet above it. When he tried to sit up, he crashed down on the bed. The bed springer squeaked loudly in protest. Jack jumped to his feet, balled his hands into fist. Show yourself, he cried in anger and fear. But there was nothing, nothing but the sound of his pounding heart. A mocking, sinister silence fell over the room. Or the birds singing in the spring air. Just the sound of his heart. He knew it had become a plaything for this entity that seemed to hold all the cards. For the first time, Jack knew what it was like to be truly scared. In the book, The Haunted, who lived at home with her family a few houses down from the Smurls. Her mother and Janet had become good friends over the years, and it was no surprise when she returned home to find Janet sitting at the kitchen table drinking coffee with her mother. Janet often told her mother things that were happening in the house. The whole neighborhood knew about the house after several of them had heard the strange screams. Janet was telling the young woman's mother that Mary, Jack's mother, had heard children playing loudly through the walls of the duplex, but when she went to quiet the kid, she found the house dark and empty. The young girl could not hide her skepticism and joked that they needed to call the Ghostbusters to come clean out the ghosts. Instantly, she knew this was one of those open mouth and insert foot moments and apologized, saying she was just trying to lighten the mood. Janet finally laughed and said she wished it was that easy. She stated that they should charge people to stay the night and offer a prize to any that did. Charlie said she could win it. She could not hide the fact that she did not 100% believe what the older woman had claimed. Long after the two women had separated, going about their day, Shelley watched as her parents left on a date night. Her father told her he was locking the door as he closed it. Even though she was grown, she knew in his eyes she would always be a little girl. She watched him close the door and walked over to the big stereo, sliding the dial until she heard her favorite rock station through the static. When satisfied it was well-tuned, she went to the kitchen to wash the day's lunch dishes. As she sung along, slightly out of key, the radio became louder and louder until it hurt her ears. She ran out to the living room and switched off the stereo. She looked about the room to see who could have raised the volume. She saw the front door left standing open. After regaining her wits, Shelley marched over to the phone and called Janet. When the woman answered, Shelley screamed into the phone, You brought them here with you. Don't ever come here again. Back at the Smurls' home, things quieted down for a bit. They all started to relax. 
argument seemed to stop between Jack and Janet, and the children could see their moods notably lifted. One night, Jack and Janet lay close to one another in a lover's embrace. After their lovemaking, Janet laid with her head on Jack's chest, listening to the steady beating of his heart. She felt a pair of cold hands wrap around her ankle, and before she had time to even react, she was ripped from Jack's arms. She was being pulled towards the end of the bed in the direction of the dark closet. She grasped at anything she could find, but the force pulling her only seemed to get stronger. She wrapped her arms around Jack's thigh and kicked at the hands pulling at her. Just as suddenly as it had begun, it ended. Jack claimed it had been held in place. He was unable to move, to help, or to even speak. Finally, the spell over him lifted, and he reached a hand out to his wife. She took it. His touch soothed her in a world gone mad. That's when something hit the wall hard enough to make the pictures jump, and she could hear other pictures in the hall falling from the wall with the crash. The family was used to banging. It was nothing new, but had never banged nearly this hard. That was when the smell creeped in much stronger than ever before. Janet gagged at the offensive odor. She described it as a smell of a city dump on a hot summer's day. That was the odor that filled her bedroom. Jack steadied himself. It was just too much and he was sure he was starting to lose his mind. After that night, Janet became sullen and moody. Janet again, in desperation, wrote a letter to the news. They never responded. Things seemed to just spiral out of control. Before long, even the family dog wasn't safe. The big German Shepherd was lifted from the kitchen floor and thrown against the door. Mary and Jake Smurl, Jack's parents, were not immune either. One night in the late evening, Mary sat alone watching television. Jake was busy trying in vain to repair a stove that refused to stay lit. Mary thought she saw something move in the heavy shadows cast by the television's light. Then, moments later, again she saw something scurrying in the darkness. Finally, she sh hmm. What she saw, she described as about the size of a puppy, but it did not have the form of a dog. Rather, it was a small, hairy mass void of a head. Mary watched as a puppy-like creature disappeared under the love seat. With the help of Jack, every inch of the duplex was searched, but the creature was never found. Finally, one night, a parent's worst terror was realized. Every time one of the children woke in the night to get a drink or use a bathroom, Janet knew it. The boards in the halls squeaked loudly, and not just in one spot. Janet had long ago associated that sound with the children, so even the slightest creak would wake her from a dead sleep. That night, she slept soundly, until a loud, rolling crash came from the stairs and a sharp cry of pain awoke the whole family, and little Shannon lay crumpled in the corner at the bottom of the stairs. The only way this could have happened is if she was carried to the stairs and thrown. The little girl could offer no explanation of how she got there. Luckily, nothing was broken but her parents' sense of security. After the dangers on their children, the couple were serious about finding help. Neither planned to stop until someone. At this point, Janet began to read everything she could find on ghosts and demons. The whole family found relief in stories of other families who had similar things happen to them, and they survived. 
but her books gave her little comfort in the night when she would be woken to a strange mess covering the floor of her bedroom. It wasn't the first time she had seen the strange gray mist hanging in the air. Room. Janet hit Jack gently at first, but fear had a way of making one lose control. Jack awoke with a jump. He began to protest her rough treatment, but his voice trailed off when he saw the mist taking form a few steps away from the end of the bed. It seemed to pull itself together until it took the shape of a man standing there with his head tilted like it was looking down on him. Mm. Ted and walked into the darkness of the closet. There would be no more sleep that night. The Smurls contacted a young priest they had known for many years, named in the book as Sean Malone. To their delight, he said he would be happy to make the drive and join them for a dinner. They told him all that had been happening to them over the last few years, and to their great relief, he said he believed their stories and said this should not be happening to such a nice couple. After dinner, he went up the stairs and said he could feel the malevolent energy that had a stranglehold on the house. He blessed the house room by room, but the work seemed to take a toll on the man. His hands began to tremble and his voice grew unsteady, but he stayed strong, completing the blessing. The Smurls said the house was peaceful for a full three days after the blessing. But the peace in the house came at a cost, a high cost. Mary, Jack's mother, had not been well for some time. She had taken to spending a great deal of time resting in her bed. It was one of these times that Jake was out playing cards. Mary awoke to her mattress being lifted in the air higher and higher. Finally, she feared that she would be pressed against the ceiling, so she jumped from the mattress, landing hard on her knees on the hardwood floor the mattress flopping down behind her with a crash. The brutal attack on the old woman made it clear that they had to call Monsignor Hugh Bryan. They were again put at ease when the man was happy to help and thoroughly blessed the house with holy water. It was a cold January day when Janet first heard the names of Ed and Lorraine Warren. She was told that they had even helped the United States Army she reached out. This is where we'll end it for today. Please like and subscribe and come back for the rest. Thank you. My name is Doug Lawrence and this is Dark Humanity.